Welcome to How Story Works from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm concept developer Dr. Kelly Jones. We're breaking up How Story Works into four seasons following four topics, character, conflict, structure, and magic. This is season two, Conflict. Today on How Story Works, the conversation is about central narrative conflict. Story is power, and we don't leave power on the table. So let's get to work. Okie dokie, let's jump into reinforcing some learning. Um, All right. I love this part. I love it (laughs) too. It's so great. Yeah. Kind of going back and reminding myself, Mm -hmm. you know, what we talked about and just reviewing these terms. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I kind of took away from our discussion is just this simple but complex idea, right? Mm -hmm. That conflict is the fuel for meaningful change in a narrative. Right. And so like, just so everybody knows, we're reviewing what we did last week. So this part of the reinforced learning is about what we did last week and last week's uh, discussion. And then we're going to move into what we're doing this week. I don't know. We've done this every week, but I'm like, what if somebody, what if this is their first episode of House Story Works? That's great. I should have said that. Yeah. No, no. You're good. You're very good. That's great. Um, Yeah. So basically change comes from conflict, Mm -hmm. right? We go to narrative to look for meaning. Yes. Change. Conflict is what drives that meaning. It gives people a reason to act. Mm -hmm. And that action is driven by what your characters want. Mm-hmm. Um, and it reminded me, I love, uh, the starless sea by Aaron, uh, Aaron Morgenstern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the character Maribel says, change is what a story is after all. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's so beautiful. Fair enough. <laughs> True, yeah, yeah. So narrative conflict is goal versus goal that drives the story forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have mundane conflict, which can be fun and illuminate who your characters are, but that's a lot of banter and philosophical disagreements and while that's fun it doesn't it's not strong enough to actually fuel a narrative Mm -hmm. Um, it can lead to narrative conflict if goals get you know added on top of that Um, but it's not enough to hold everything together and drive it forward and then false conflict is anything that can be resolved through an honest conversation and so basically you don't want to build your story on conflict sand because that can mm-hmm. just be washed away with one clarifying discussion. Mm-hmm. You want to build that story on solid goal rocks, right? <laughs> so you need the Spice Girls. You need your characters to tell you what they really, really want. Oh, my God. Right? Oh, God. Please don't let that song be in my head. All- <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thank um, you. Thank you so much. <laughs> And, and the other thing I really took away from our discussion last week um, was the mm-hmm. idea of working with your process as a writer mm-hmm. instead of fighting against your process. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we were talking about, like, conflict is not always enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, um, for some people, it's a real problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just not. And, and you said, you know, in the narrative, if you want to fix the world, mm-hmm. you can't do that until you face what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Did I say and, that? And I, yeah, you did. That was, word, yeah, I went back. That was your quote. It was No, really I good. believe you. It's every now and again, somebody will quote me to me and I'm like, yeah, it sounds like maybe something I might've said, but I have no memory of saying that. <laughs> um, and, you know, we talked a lot in season mm-hmm. one when we were discussing character yeah. about loving your characters and never diminishing their humanity. And, and I really do want to honor that even when mm-hmm. I'm writing a story that is dark, you know, yeah. and does have mm-hmm. some really difficult conflict. 
Um, so I, I'm reframing the idea of tormenting your characters to challenging your characters. Um, and that feels accessible to me. So even if it's yeah. still just as dark and awful as it was before, <laughs> I don't feel as bad. <laughs> I, like it. I like it. I think it's fabulous. Um, you know, with this and pretty much everything in life, you need to reframe the ideas so that they work for you. Um, that is completely valid and absolutely encouraged. Now, I use torment when I teach this because some people really have to understand that there is no wiggle room here. You have got to force your characters into very uncomfortable situations. You have to challenge them hard. Um, But between us, yes, I think what I really mean is challenge, you know, make it so that it's impossible for your character to do things the way that they always have and they have to find a new way. So yes, excellent, excellent understanding of last week's material. Well, thank you very much. (laughs) So now to move us into this week's material, would you like to introduce everybody to Central Narrative Conflict? (laughs) Sure. We'll go ahead and start with a conflict review. We've done a lot of talking about the different kinds of conflict. And so I'm going to be repeating myself a little bit so that people understand how all this stuff works together. Um, Like we said, conflict is the fuel. It keeps the story moving. Your protagonist in pursuit of a goal is blocked by an antagonist in pursuit of a mutually exclusive goal. This locked conflict will keep these two forces pushing against each other through the run of the story. And it will define the structure of the story as the story starts when the conflict starts, escalates as the conflict escalates and ends when the conflict is decided, which is the climax. And then the story resolves into a capital N, capital W, new world, which is Mm -hmm. where the resolution goes. Now, all of that that I've just talked about, about conflict starting and and the story starting with the conflict starting, all that speaks to structure, all right? So if some of that stuff you don't quite understand, hold your hat, it's okay, just breathe through it. We are gonna come back and revisit that whole hard when we get to structure but it's just that I wanted you to understand that this central narrative conflict that we're talking about is what the structure of the story is going to be built upon but sometimes conflict can be confusing because in any story you might have any number of conflicts going on Uh, we talked about that a little bit last week there's mundane conflict false conflict we talked a little bit about romantic conflict Um, but the central the narrative conflict is the one that's based on a goal Um, and then the central narrative conflict is is what we're going to be talking about the one that that your structure is based upon Um, but quickly though one of the things I wanted to update last week when we were talking about uh, false conflict which is misunderstanding understanding secrets and lies, right? Um, I was saying, you know, I really don't know where there's a place for false conflict or, you know, like I know every device that I hate, there's always a place I can find where it's done really well and used to its best purposes. Um, And as, and I cannot even believe, I was like, yeah, I don't know where, maybe a soap opera or whatever, Um, because I've (laughs) actually been watching Frasier lately. Now, Frasier, Mm -hmm. uh, the um, mid-90s sitcom uh, starring Kelsey Grammer, and David Hyde Pierce. Uh, It's fantastic, really fun, highly recommended if you haven't seen it, but it is almost entirely farce. Every single week there is some sort of misunderstanding or lie or secret and they build it up and they build it up and they build it up and then they have this whole event and it just explodes and everything goes wrong. Um, Farce is absolutely a place where false conflict lives and lives happily. It's comedic. It's light. We're laughing at the characters. There's a lot of dramatic irony because we know things that they don't. Um, And so that is a circumstance like when you're doing farce, that is a place where 
this false conflict, the conflict that could be cleared up by an honest conversation, actually can work and work really well. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Because last week, I was like, I don't know, where, you know, and I'm watching Frasier right now. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's pretty funny. Um, yeah. But anyway, so that's like our basic review of the different kinds of conflict that we talked about. Um, but t- this week, we're talking about central narrative conflict. So I am going to, for Dr. Kelly Jones, to meet with her requirements, define my goddamn terms, right? Yay! Um, so central narrative conflict, like uh, we defined narrative conflict last week, you know, which is goal-based conflict, that we have a protagonist with a goal, antagonist with a goal, and those goals are mutually exclusive. Central narrative conflict is a narrative conflict, right? So a goal-based conflict upon which the structure of a story is built. So I've just kind of like gone through that a little bit where I'm talking about the story starts when the conflict starts. It escalates throughout with the conflict escalating. Then we have the conflict resolving with a winner. Um, and then we have a resolution in which there is a new world, right? Um, and that that is a, a very basic um, understanding of, of what structure is. Um, but it is based, it is based on that central narrative conflict. So you have to have a strong enough conflict lock between the protagonist and the antagonist, that it can keep that structure going. It can keep escalating and getting worse and worse and worse and worse and hold up the entire uh, structure of the story. Now, if you're doing a shorter story, you can have a little more, you know, it doesn't have to be a big, huge conflict. If you have a really long story, you're talking about like, you know, big, huge conflicts where people are, are fighting, you know, to the tooth and nail for everything it is that they want. So you need a structure or a conflict that is going to be strong enough to hold up the scope of the story that you're telling. Um, And that is your central narrative conflict. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. And it makes sense, too, to think about it in terms of how much conflict can fit in your story. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like if you're writing a short story Mm -hmm. compared to writing, you know, an 11 book series. Yes. Mm-hmm. Those are probably going to be two very different things. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So and also like there's different layers of conflict. <laughs> We're going to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that, too. Um, but um, but but when you're just starting to think about narrative conflict versus mundane versus whatever, just remember that it is goal based and that um, you need it to hold up the, the entire expanse of whatever the story is that you're telling. Yeah, so it, it's almost like the main conflict. It is. That's exactly what it is. It is yeah. the main conflict. Yeah, the main yeah. conflict. Mm-hmm. It is the conflict upon which you are mm-hmm. centering everything in your story. Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, good. All right, so now that we've talked about that, let's go into structure a little bit more. Now, again, we're going to go into structure in detail in season three of uh, How Story Works Conversations. But for right now, because conflict and structure are so linked, I wanted to address some questions and some confusion that might come up from that. Um, So something to keep in mind Uh, Narrative conflicts can exist on a lot of levels. Um, Any conflict that's based on mutually exclusive goals is, by definition, a narrative conflict. The narrative conflict escalated by the story structure is the central narrative conflict. All right. So we've gone we've gone over that a couple of times. And I'm sorry if my repeating myself. Um, I have found that these concepts tend to need the repetition because they can get really confusing. So I do tend to repeat a lot. Um, if if I'm repeating way too much, let me know and uh, and I'll I'll take it down a notch. But um, 
So anyway, most stories are going to have like a lot of conflicts that are woven into their fabric, right? But only one is mm-hmm. going to be the central narrative conflict, the narrative conflict upon which the story is built. Um, but you can have a number of narrative goal-based conflicts as well, aside from the central narrative conflict. And that can sometimes be a little bit confusing. But you can have goal-based conflicts that happen between um, your antagonist and your protagonist in a particular scene that's a scene level you know uh, narrative conflict in which you have one scene and there's a miniature goal there and they have these opposing goals one of them wins one of them loses but and that structures the scene but it's not the central narrative conflict upon which the whole story is structured so you can have little narrative conflicts like that you can have little narrative conflicts as a um as a subplot for uh for like um secondary characters. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that you can have. You can have a lot of narr- little narrative conflicts running alongside your central narrative conflict. Um, and then, of course, again, you'll have mundane conflicts, like you know your philosophical conflicts, your bickering, your that kind of thing that we talked about a little bit. Um, but only one conflict, the central narrative conflict, is going to be the narrative conflict upon which the structure of the story is based from beginning to end. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think this would be a great time to illustrate with an example. Okay. Uh So can you pick a movie and go, this is the central narrative conflict. These are some other narrative conflicts. This is some mundane conflict, but this is the central narrative conflict. (laughs) I'm just going to put you on the spot with no notes and no prep. That's all right. Probably yeah. the first thing that would come to mind would be His Girl Friday. Um, His Girl Friday has um, a central narrative conflict uh, where we have Rosalind Russell's character, Hildy, who is coming back to town to tell um, her ex-husband, Walter, that uh, she's getting married and that he needs to leave her alone now, right? Um, so we have her coming back to town to tell him that. Um, and her goal would seem to be, you know, her, this external conflict is based on Hildy wants to get Walter to leave her alone. Walter, of course, uses her being in town as an excuse to get her into a story and get her back reporting for the paper for him. That's what he wants. So she wants to leave and go marry Bruce and move to Albany with Bruce and his mother, right? And then Walter wants Hildy to um, be seduced back into the newspaper world and stay there with him and be one of his reporters. So that is your central narrative conflict, right? She cannot, in, in this world, cannot both move to Albany, marry Bruce, and live with mother, and have a normal, like a quote-unquote, very gendered idea of what a normal woman's life is, you know, wife, mother, mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. Um, and she can't do that and write for the paper. So these are mutually exclusive conflicts um, where Walter is, is trying to get Hildy to not go. Um, and she wants to go. Um, and there's a, like anybody who's listened to I, I have an episode of, of How Story Works um, earlier in the run before we did conversations where I, where I did a whole breakdown of um, of His Girl Friday. It's a lovely, lovely uh, structure. It's a lovely conflict. But that is a central narrative conflict. Um, within a particular scene, 
we will have conflicts where there's one scene where Hildy is trying to hide um, an accused murderer in a roll top desk in the middle of the reporter's room. Um, and so she is trying to keep him hidden and everybody else is coming in and, and getting in the way. And there's a, a like a threat that, the, that he's going to be found. Right. So that's like another thing where she's trying to keep him hidden. Um, other people are trying to find him. So that's a conflict as well. There's plenty of romantic and mundane conflict in bickering between Hildy and Walter in pretty much every single scene that they are in. Uh, sometimes those scenes are um, are actually based on a goal conflict. Uh, you know, for for one, uh, there's a scene where they're out to lunch. He's trying to uh, to swindle Bruce out of money. You know, and uh, Bruce is very innocent and doesn't understand. And so Hildy is trying to prevent him from swindling Bruce. Um, so we have Walter and Hildy out at lunch kind of fighting over Bruce. Um, so there are lots of little conflicts like that that, um, that keep running all the way through. Uh, Walter keeps having Bruce put in jail and then Hildy keeps having to get him <laughs> out. Um, so there's lots of that kind of going on um, throughout the run of His Girl Friday. But the central narrative conflict is always Hildy is trying to get away. Walter wants to pull her back in. Okay. Cool. Um, can we do the Princess Bride? We for can. For a second example? Sure. We can do the Princess okay. Bride. Because <laughs> I know that one really well. All right. So, so why I'm don't like... you go ahead as an okay. exercise and do the Princess Bride for me? All right. I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. Okay. So big picture, Prince Humperdinck wants to kill Buttercup. Mm-hmm. The Dread Pirate Wesley wants to save Buttercup. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Big The big thing? Uh, are those our protagonists um our protagonists and antagonists i would say yes um the princess bride i think has some uh some structural issues as far as oh, when the fun. conflict yeah okay. when the conflict launches and who is our protagonist right we're with oh, yeah. um you know how do you like there's there's a big question about that we should do the princess bride we should do the princess because bride. it is complicated there are places where it it kind of falls apart in a lot yeah. of ways as who yeah, is yeah. who is the actual protagonist the of actual the princess bride we spend yeah. a lot of time with buttercup we're in her pov a lot but she's mm-hmm. actually incredibly passive um yeah. you know wesley is our protagonist but he's gone for a big chunk of the movie and actually dead for a chunk of the movie um in which case we have um we have inigo montoya and fezzik pick up his his goal and carry it for him until he's alive yeah. again that's um true. So there's a lot of stuff in in the Princess yeah. Bride that actually is is a little bit it's it's kind of a um you know it's a it's a varsity level analysis mm-hmm. work job with uh with the Princess Bride. I think we're still in JV territory right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. And and that helps me because when I asked the Princess Bride, it was because I thought, well, I should be able to do this now. And then I thought, wait a minute, isn't Inigo could be the protagonist and Wesley could be the protagonist and Buttercup could be. <laughs> well, so that's really good to hear. Is, it, is that an argument for a lot of parallel? You know, I mean, yeah. parallel parallel stories are absolutely a thing where we have a number of narrative conflicts and we're popping back and forth between them. Oh, um, yeah. So let's so, let's yeah. talk about that. We'll come back. I think a bonus uh, yes. Princess Bride would be a lot of fun. I think we could absolutely do a bonus uh, okay, analysis cool. of the Princess Bride because it is yeah. it is very, very interesting. But it's also like high level 
Um, yeah. Figuring it all out. And it's so fun. It's, once you understand all of this stuff, even if you don't want to be a writer, it is so fun to like look at the stories and kind of figure out how they work. Where do they work really well? Where do they fall down? Because sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, there will be a problem with the story and you be able to, through the analysis using narrative theory, figure out where it went wrong and how you can fix it. That is, I mean, okay, I'm a big story nerd, so maybe that's just fun for me. But honestly, that is fun for me. I could spend an evening doing nothing but like taking stories, analyzing them, figuring out where they're broke and figuring out how to fix them. Oh, I could do that with qualitative methodology research papers. To be like, this is <laughs> this question does not align with your theoretical framework. We need to do this again. Like, it's so much fun. Um, <laughs> so, like, I, you know, not to get too far off course, but I am glad I asked that yeah. because mm-hmm. because it didn't come clear. Yes, to me mm-hmm. quickly, mm-hmm. and now I feel better about. Hey, yeah, because maybe this is par- a parallel story. So, do you want to talk a little story. bit? About yeah. parallel stories? Yeah, let me go ahead. Actually, you've uh, you've got a question in here towards the end of this I segment do. where you're like, what is the central narrative conflict in Game of Thrones? And yes. I think that Game of Thrones is actually really good to talk about. Now, first of all, when we're talking about a television series, um, there are going to be different levels of conflict and structure, right? We'll have in mm-hmm. um, a lot of these in, in serialized storytelling, which is where we go from one episode to the next with stories continuing throughout. Um, you will see um, like a big story that will cover the whole season. Um, and then you'll have in each episode, there will be like l- narrative conflicts that are on which the episodic structure, the particular episode structure is based. Um, and then all of those come together to move the season story forward. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hopefully the season story lands at the end of the season. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Again, <laughs> we're getting into very complicated story territory here. And um, and that is is a difficult thing to do. And a lot of writers and, and showrunners struggle to make that happen. But ideally, that is how that should work. Um, one of the best examples of that, of course, is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, in which we have a season level story that is being arced through, escalated and landed at the in the series in the season finale. Um, and then also episodic stories that are being told, which are concluded within the space of the episode. But what happens in that also moves forward the main story arc for the whole season. Um, yeah. Game of Thrones is super duper complicated because what we have is there is a like a season story arc. There are things that are happening with the season that are then escalated and, and landed. Um, but Game of Thrones, we actually have a number of stories and a number of protagonists and a number of antagonists. And they are all moving their stories along side by side. So you will have, um, I always think of it like a, a pod of dolphins. You know, when you uh-huh. see a pod of dolphins swimming they're all going in the same direction but one will come up above the surface and then go down and then the other one will come above the surface and then go down and they'll just kind of like uh, be swimming sort of next to each other in this parallel fashion and that's kind of how these narratives work if you separate out like say let's go with the game of thrones if you separate out the like in the season one the ned stark storyline then you've got ned stark as a protagonist um and then you separate out you've got uh Tyrion lannister all 
also as the protagonist of his story, right? Um, you've got Caitlin Stark as the protagonist of her story. Um, there are a whole bunch of things that are going on. Uh, and those stories, you know, um, Tyrion might be a, um, a secondary character in the Caitlin storyline for, for her story. But then we get to his story and he's the protagonist and the main character in his and she is a, is a secondary character in his story. Um, so and you can tell whose story it is by whose POV we're in, who's, you know, who are we following, whose goal are we following. And the thing about Game of Thrones is that Game of Thrones is extremely goal-based. There are narrative conflicts all over the place, and they're all sort of woven together in this very complicated fabric. So, yeah, when I say that we're talking like, you know, um, like His Girl Friday is a JV conflict and like The Princess Bride is a varsity-level conflict, this is like pro-ball. Like Game of Thrones... <laughs> Game of Thrones is pro ball. But once you understand how these conflicts can work, you know, starting by understanding the, the simpler conflicts. So usually I go to a movie, right? Mm -hmm. Movie conflict is usually like most movies. They're, they're not all perfect, you know, definitely. Um, but, uh, but they usually have the, a simpler kind of conflict with one protagonist, one antagonist. You can follow it all the way through. Um, and so those are really good to learn on. <laughs> <laughs> most yeah. movies yeah. really good to learn on uh, to try to figure out how conflict works and then as you start getting more complicated you can see that there are so many ways you can pull all of these pieces together in order to tell whatever kind of story it is that you want to tell um, it yeah. is it is kind of a modular system you know where you mm -hmm. can like work in different things um, but yeah but it can get really really confusing it can get really overwhelming so I'm not recommending that anybody who is looking at conflict and like I'm not really sure what's going on I do not recommend you try to wrap your your mind around Game of Thrones at this point like that is <laughs> that is some serious you know hardcore story analysis at there are you, are Start you with willing movies. to pay the iron price are you willing to pay the iron price analysis <laughs> So, uh, but that's good to hear mm -hmm. too, because um, it kind of helps to think about it like yes. in levels, right? Mm -hmm. of, of, mm -hmm. of working your way through that. Yeah. Um, so we've talked a little bit about the relationship between conflict and structure. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. But there was a reason we started season one of How Story Works with character. Yes. So mm -hmm. we kind of want to go back to that a little bit to look mm -hmm. at the relationship between conflict and character. Yes. Um, and this wonderful central narrative conflict formula. Yeah, that you have right. <laughs> well again everything comes back to character right it's mm -hmm. protagonist goal antagonist goal right so no matter what your conflict is always about what your characters want um mundane conflict again any disagreement between characters in a story it does not have to be based on goals it can be based on something as ephemeral as a bad mood or a too spicy chicken wing whatever um <laughs> narrative conflict is conflict based on two conflicting goals um and central narrative conflict is a conflict based in two mutually exclusive goals upon which a story structure is built all right so those are our basic levels of conflict um you can nest mundane and smaller narrative conflicts within a central narrative conflict in fact i absolutely recommend it um conflict like mm -hmm. garlic is not something you can have too much of um philosophical differences um the mundane conflict can be thrown in um into the middle of a scene level uh, momentarily important goal-based conflict um which simmers inside the highly invested goals that form from the central narrative conflict of the whole thing and that is like mm -hmm. amazing that is like chef's kiss yeah um but all of it always comes back to character all of it always is about our character 
characters and what they want, um, what it is that they are in pursuit of. So mm -hmm. one of the things that you, you don't want to do, and it can be easy to do, um, it can get to the point where when you start thinking about conflict and structure and narrative and all of these rules in narrative theory, it can feel like you're just taking pieces and moving them around on a chessboard, right? Um, which mm -hmm. is actually a good uh, promo for if you guys haven't gone and listened to our Queen's Gambit <laughs> discussion on Patreon.com. Go ahead and throw a dollar at Patreon.com slash Chipperish and uh, you can get access to that. But anyway, uh, so, so it can feel like you're moving pieces around on a chessboard. And sometimes the conflict itself and being so aware of how all of your, your pieces are moving around can make you feel a little more distant from your characters. So you always want to make sure that everything mm -hmm. that you do is anchored um, in your character, you know, that, that we're always thinking about our characters when we're talking about conflict. So I just thought of an example of an episode of television that I think does this really well. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and for anyone who listened to our podcast, Still Dead, yes. about Angel, the series, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when we talked about A Hole in the World from yes. season five, mm -hmm. there is this beautiful running mundane conflict mm -hmm. about who's, who would win the fight, astronauts right. or cavemen, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it, it starts out as a joke. It gains narrative meaning yes. as the story goes on. And then it ends up relating to the central narrative conflict of that episode yes. in a way that is heartbreakingly beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have other smaller narrative conflicts mm -hmm. as each character tries to do what they can right. mm -hmm. to help save Fred. And mm -hmm. then you have the central narrative conflict of that episode mm -hmm. You know, of uh, Fred versus Illyria, right. you know, mm -hmm. that, that kind of going on. So I just realized that, that yeah. that's actually a beautiful illustration yes. of all of these types of conflict in, in an episode in, of television that's part of a bigger series. Yes, all of it together in one space. So you want to mix all that stuff up together. And also what I love about the caveman versus the astronaut argument is that it really is mundane conflict. It's just people are arguing about who would win caveman versus astronaut. And at the end, that argument, that mundane conflict um, dovetails so beautifully into something bigger than, than what it started out as that, yeah. that essential question becomes like sort of the heart of what is happening in that episode mm -hmm. thematically. Um, and that's a beautiful use. Yeah. It shows us a lot about the characters depending on whose side yeah. they take and why. Right. So mm -hmm. you get like, I was just thinking, I'm like, you know, that episode does the, the, all these levels of conflict really, really well. Yes. Yes, it absolutely does. And that's also a great example, though, of they never lose focus on their characters that, yeah. that all of these conflicts are happening but they're happening because of character they're not happening to character so you want to make sure that you don't get so wound up in all the chess pieces and and all the strategy of what you're moving around that you you forget to keep everything that happens anchored in your characters that this is about their experience and um and how we're telling the story and what the story means you know, mm -hmm. um, you want to make sure that you always keep your themes, um, what the story is about um, in mind when you're building these conflicts. It's not enough just to have a conflict. You want to have conflicts that actually work together, um, that, that relate to the theme of your story and that relate to who your characters are. And that's really yeah. that's really important and, and something that's very easy when you get into all of the the structural movement and everything. Um, it's easy to kind of lose sight of that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so your your formula here is really helpful for keeping some of that front of mind, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. it forces you to focus in on those goals. Yes. The the formula for everybody who uh, was listening last week, go ahead and pick up your glasses. Uh, Lonnie's about to use an acronym. It's um, it's PGAG or PGAG, protagonist goal, antagonist goal. So you want to make sure that you keep your eye on the PGAG. Know who your protagonist is. Know what they want. Know who your antagonist is. Know what they want. Um, and make sure that those things are in conflict, right? That, that mm-hmm. if one wins the other must lose and and whatever these goals are need to be important enough um, that your character through challenges through things that are going to throw them off um, is not going to quit it has to be super super important Um, so we have this protagonist goal this antagonist goal they are locked it's escalating Um, protagonist zigs antagonist zags um, and they keep getting more and more dedicated to their goal and single-minded about their goal as they move. Um, But one of the important things, and we're going to talk about this a lot more in structure, but I wanted to mention it now um, because I think that it's important because we talk about, we've got these uh, two people in conflict and, um, and it's mutually exclusive conflict and it's super, super important. um, And then we have to resolve that conflict, right? By the end, somebody wins, right? Somebody wins, Mm -hmm. the other one loses. um, And that is at the climactic moment um, of the story. Um, but the thing that we don't really mention as much is that it doesn't matter who wins. Um, right. for, your, for your story to be narratively legit, your protagonist does not have to win. Now, most stories that we tell, the protagonist wins because we like a happy ending. We like our protagonist. <laughs> and, you know. But in some stories, we don't want our protagonist to win. Um, and his girl Friday, actually, uh, Hildy is our protagonist and Hildy loses, uh, you know, no spoilers, mm-hmm. but, um, I, I'm sorry. It's a 70 year old movie. If I, I can't, <laughs> I can't be held responsible for spoiling his girl Friday for you. Um, and, uh, but anyway, so it, it doesn't matter for a story to be narratively legit. We just need to have the conflict resolved. It does not matter who wins, which is a nice Thing the the fewer things that you have to do, you know, the more mm-hmm. m- the more leeway you have in in deciding how you want to tell that story. Um, but an antagonist can win as far as your story is concerned, mm-hmm. and it's still going to function just as well. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, you get to decide what the story is going to mm-hmm. mean, exactly. right? And that mm-hmm. you you may not want it to end the way that. We might expect it to end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, we're talking about this, um, you know, PGAG and and a protagonist and an antagonist. Mm -hmm. So our next episode, we're going to talk about external and internal conflict. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when we're talking about protagonist who is one person and an antagonist who is another person. Right. That's an external conflict. Mm -hmm. But you may have an internal you know, where your pro- your protagonist is their own antagonist. Yes. But the your PGAG formula still works. It does, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So we'll talk more about that. But for mm-hmm. those of you listening who are like me and you love the <laughs> internal conflict stories, like, mm-hmm. we're, we got you, baby. We're not, those we're not ignoring just those. As legit. <laughs> it's just that right now we're just starting to talk about it, right? And so it is a lot easier to think about in terms of an external conflict. But an internal conflict is just as legit. We see a lot of those. We'll have some examples of those. But an internal conflict, just, you know, for, for everybody who's, who's wondering about it, it is when we have a person who has two goals that 
that are in opposition with each other. So they are pulling for two things and wrestling internally over which way to go. Um, So, uh, yeah, those are a lot of fun to talk about. I I love talking about external versus internal conflict because it's really, really fun. Yeah, and I'm I'm really glad we kind of had our our little um, detour around yeah. mm-hmm. central narrative conflict earlier to show that it's not always simple. Nope. Um, because we were going to talk about ways to identify the central narrative conflict, um, yeah. and we kind of demonstrated that by accident. So, what advice do you have as you're watching a movie or or reading a book? Um, tips for 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 really identifying what that central narrative conflict is. Um, Yeah, the first thing is that it might not be there. Uh, Just Mm -hmm. because a book is published or a film is produced or a TV story is is put on the air does not necessarily mean that the writers understand how all of this works. Um, and, uh, and, And sometimes they'll understand to a certain degree or sometimes they'll make different choices for different reasons. Sometimes a story doesn't have a really strong narrative backbone in it, but it's still good. Um, Mm -hmm. that's, we're going to get talking about that too. (laughs) We've got so much to discuss. Um, we're trying to keep it focused on little bits. Um, well, I, I guess I just wanted to point that out because if there is a story you love and I can think Mm -hmm. of tons that I love, the central narrative conflict is not clear Yeah, Mm -hmm. because the, the primary value or the, the primary goal of that work may be an emotional aesthetic. Yeah. It may be, you know, something else completely. So Mm -hmm. like, the, the the thing you love can still be good. And if you can't yes. identify this, it may simply be because it doesn't exist. Right. What I'm teaching y'all to do is to tell a narrative story if that's what you want to do. But there yeah. are... Uh, films and TV shows and, you know, that that don't nec- and books that don't necessarily have a really strong narrative backbone to them. That does not mean that they're just broken and wrong and bad. It just means that they don't have that. That's not what they're trying to do. All right. right. Um, and that is completely fine. Right. Um, but if you want to tell a strong narrative story, this is how you do it. Um, yep. So just to know that in some things like you pick up a book, you watch a movie and you're like, oh, like you may not know. It may not be there. It may not be really strong. I remember a student of mine some years ago recommended that I watch Terrence Malick's uh, Tree of Life, right? Um, and there is no narrative backbone in that story. Also, like the movie is beautiful. It is gorgeous visually. Absolutely. I mean, it is absolutely lovely. But the narrative in that thing, such as it is, just not great. Um, and there really isn't much there and it doesn't make any sense and you spend 45 minutes wandering through space uh going from the big bang up until now because you know when does a story technically start anyway whole thing is beautiful film beautifully done i am not in any way going to say that terrence malick is not an incredible artist but the narrative isn't really there so um so while you're looking for narratives just realize that sometimes um it may not be there it may not be strong um so just keep that in mind because otherwise they can get um a little bit a little bit frustrating um yeah but by looking for these elements in the stories that you engage with it's going to help you understand the concepts of narrative theory a little bit better 
there. So a weak or unclear goal for a protagonist can be the reason why a story doesn't work very well. And that helps you mm-hmm. do some diagnostics, um, which will help you as a writer. If you can diagnose the problems in other stories, it'll be easier for you to diagnose the problems in your own. Um, and if the story you're looking at doesn't have these elements clearly established, then, you know, think about how you fix it. What would you do? How would you make it work? Um, you know, how would you make a strong narrative out of Tree of Life? Um, (laughs) that's an interesting question. Um, but there's no better way to build your understanding of narrative than working your mojo on existing stories. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So next week we're going to talk about external and internal, and I'm so looking forward to that. Yes. It's really fun. I love that conversation. Yes. Oh, it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have, it sounds like you do because you were kind of talking about exercises and application. Yes. Uh, homework assignment. We do have a homework. We do have a homework assignment. All right. So last week I had everybody identify all the kinds of conflict, right? Narrative, mundane, false, whatever. Um, this week, I want you to look for the central narrative conflict goal, a goal-based conflict upon which the story is based. Um, so uh, you know, one of the things that might help if you look at more genre type stories, um, mm-hmm. like, a, you know, a, a thriller, definitely thrillers, sports movies, um, legal movies, any trial or ordeal movie, um, those mm-hmm. usually have very strong um, um, central narrative conflicts. Things like that um, usually work really well. Comedies actually uh, tend to be have a very, very simple, direct, straightforward structures um, because they just want something that they can hang their jokes on. They don't care about redefining the wheel or doing something crazy new or artistic with storytelling. Um, so a lot of times comedies are, are really, really good to try to look at to find um, a narrative structure. Um, but remember, again, just because something got published or produced does not mean it's narratively tight. Um, and And here are a couple of tips for people while they're looking for their central narrative structure. Um, If you're having trouble identifying the central narrative conflict, look for something internal. Look for an internal conflict. And remember, that is where we've got a protagonist with two goals that are mutually exclusive. All right. Um, And also look at the ending. The ending of the story is going to be focused on the resolution after the central narrative conflict resolves with a winner decided. So if you're really, really not sure, watch the whole thing through once you're done think about how it ended because how a story ends tells you what the story is about and how the story ends wraps up what's left over after the central narrative conflict is resolved so um so that's those are things that can kind of help you find the central narrative conflict if you're unsure cool all right homework is fun homework is good we love homework (laughs) uh and we we love talking about what we love so Lonnie what stories are you loving this week oh my god I'm watching the West Wing I have (sighs) I haven't been able to watch it I did uh 12 episodes of um, Jed Bartlett is my president at the beginning Mm -hmm. of 2017 um, and then couldn't do it anymore and couldn't watch West Wing anymore because it just broke my heart. It just made me so sad. And um, and lately I have been able to return to the West Wing, which has been really, really fun and um, and sharing it, too, with somebody who has not watched it before. Um, Wow. That is so fun that is so fun um and so yeah I'm just I'm I'm loving it like it's I love the 
uh, civics lessons that are in it. I love all of it. It's just, it's so, so fun. So, and the, such I am the Lord, your God. There will be no other <laughs> God before me. Before like when me. Jed Bartlett comes busting into <laughs> yes. a room, quoting the Bible, it's just awesome. <laughs> It's so freaking good. Yeah. It's so good. I still I still contend, I will still argue that two cathedrals from oh, the West Wing is a God. perfect perfect. Have I displeased you, perfect, you feckless thug? Feckless oh my thug. God, I lo- oh my God. love that perfect so episode much. of it's television. So good. Yes. I get chill bumps every time I watch it. I know, it. I love it so much and it makes me so happy and so I love good. that I can watch it again. So how about me you? Too. What are you loving this week, Kelly? I'm like can I still just love the Queen's Gambit? You absolutely <laughs> can. Yes. Oh, my God. It is ridiculous how much I love this show. Um, so I was thinking that. So I was I was working on these notes last night. Yeah. And I haven't watched. I didn't watch anything new in mm-hmm. the because we only had a few days between right. recording this time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but if I could watch something right now, I would watch the Queen's Gambit again. Again. Um, and then I, love it. <laughs> I get a I get a text. Um, from my sweetheart it says Kelly, 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 watch this right now, all in caps. And I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. And I click on this link, and it's a video of Amanda Palmer uh-huh. singing a song titled "Judy Bloom." Oh my god! And it, I, I was like, okay. Amanda Palmer read my diary and watched my childhood and and narratively analyzed me and psychoanalyzed me and wrote a song to rip my heart into little bitty pieces and lay it bare for the world. It is so beautiful. This this expression of like how fiction truly becomes part of who we are and how we carry stories with us. Um, oh it my is. God. It, oh God, it's so gorgeous. Um, and then, of course, I had to go watch Judy Bloom talk about writing. Yeah, um, and, and watch some of her videos on Masterclass mm-hmm. because she's amazing. Oh my God. Um, but it was just so gorgeous. So if you if you feel about books the way I feel about books, <laughs> go watch Amanda Palmer sing to Judy Bloom and cry your eyes out because it's fabulous. Oh my God, how <laughs> wonderful! I love it. Yeah, it's good. We want to hear about the stories that you're loving and your thoughts about central narrative conflict. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow Lonnie at Lonnie Danrich and me at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag HowStoryWorks. You can also follow all of our shows and news at Chipperish. HowStoryWorks and everything Chipperish Media does is made free to all by our generous patrons. If you're getting value out of this discussion, we ask that you help us out by kicking in a dollar a month or two so we can bump up from varsity to pro narrative theory. <laughs> this episode of How Story Works was brought to you by the Chipperish Media Producers who support us on Patreon. At the power producer level, these people are the reason why How Story Works is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to our December producers. Shelly, Kristen, Jonathan, Jonathan, Rose, Erica, Alice, Abigail, and Sarah. And this week's special message to our power producers, it doesn't matter who wins the central narrative conflict, just that someone wins. We will be back next time with internal and external conflict. I feel really conflicted about that. I, I like external conflicts because they're fun, and I like internal conflicts because they're interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can actually do both at the same time. Oh, interesting. All right, that's going to be fun. We'll talk about that next week. Bye, y'all. Bye, everybody. <laughs>